I think going with a franchise, you almost saw the uh, light at the end of the tunnel without actually you going through that tunnel, mm -hmm. you know, right off the beginning. I, cool. I basically looked at it this way. Well, I've seen what there's the systems I've done for them being able to scale their business. And so if I basically uh, repeat that same model, why would it not work for me versus going to start a, a Jimmy's gutters that nobody would know who we are. We didn't have the branding. Uh, we wouldn't have the capital and things like that. And, and, the, and the end result is not guaranteed. Now, I'm not saying that it wouldn't have worked out. It probably would have worked out. Yeah. But I, again, it goes back to that point. Um, I preferred to uh, basically invest a little bit more out front, knowing that I had a much better chance of being successful. This is Grow With The Bros, hosted by Ryan and Ken Parsons, founders of the Brothers That Just Do Gutters. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Gutter, Behind the Brother. We've made every mistake in the book, so you don't have to. Our time to evolve as business owners is now. Let's grow together. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Out of the Gutter. I'm Ryan Parsons, joined with my brother, Ken Parsons, and we are the co-founders of the Brothers That Just Do Gutters. So throughout our business journey, we recognize there are plenty of misconceptions that people have about franchising. And one of the largest one is the cost of franchising or buying a franchise is so expensive. So today we have Jimmy O'Lang, the original franchisee from Pennsylvania uh, with us today. And we're gonna uh, really kind of dive deep on this topic. Thanks for joining us, Jimmy. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for joining. Yeah. Our, brother, our, brother, our brother from another mother from Kenya. That's right. That's oh, right. Yeah. Love it. So, Jimmy, uh, you've been on our podcast before, but, you know, how long have you been with the brothers that just do gutters? Oh, my word. Uh, so this dates back to actually 2001 uh, when I first moved uh, uh, to the U.S. from Africa. And, uh, you know, the brothers recruited me. I came in and uh, first day of work, basically, you know, showed up with flip-flops. I think you guys have heard the story before. But uh, yeah, 2001 is when I started and then uh, it's now 2021 and I never left. So that's 20 years, uh, 20 years strong. Holy cow. I, I, think you I think you recruited yourself from what I remember. You yeah. Sh you, 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 showed up, you showed up to church on a Sunday and said, you're coming to work for me on a Monday. It's like... It's either you're like, you know, that that's it. No, that's no questions right. asked. I'm working for you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> His uh, Ken always tells his side of this story, and I tell mine. And there, there's usual differences, but I know that he's the one who actually approached me at the church parking lot and said, "Hey, you ready to work for me?" So I don't know. Creepy <laughs> guy in the church know. parking lot. I know. <laughs> so we'll go with your version. All right, sounds so good. We'll go with that version. That's fine. Oh <laughs> man. So I, I know, I mean, we might have even gone down this path the last time you were on, but uh, for those who didn't hear it, um, so you worked for us for almost 14, 12 to 13 years um, prior to thinking about purchase, purchasing a franchise. And, and you were married, you were at a crosshairs um, as far as you can climb with us in the company. We had franchise we were about to, and you were really right in the middle of either staying with us, starting your own thing, or joining the franchise. You had three decisions, basically, right? You want to kind of 
bring us back into that world of, of, of what was happening in your head right there? Yeah, so I think that was in 2014. <clears throat> um, you know, I'd been working two full-time jobs. Uh, I, was, I was working nighttime uh, in a group home, uh, basically showering adults with the, you know, uh, mental disability, you know, cooking for them, cleaning, doing laundry. That was kind of like my job. So I did that during the night and then at daytime I would come and I'll do uh, gutters. So um, what happened was um, I actually lost my night job because I'd be so tired just from working two jobs. So at some point I was actually caught sleeping by a manager who did a night job. Sleeping on the job. Sleeping on the job, literally. And, um, and so, you know, so they, you know, ah. they, they basically just fired me. And, and what, 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 what really sucked was the fact that this was a job where I got my health insurance from. And at the time we were actually pregnant with our second born. And uh, we were right about like a nine month, uh, you know, on that my nine month spot. So, you know, we, so here I am, I'm just freaking out. I was like, hey man, this is our insurance. We're gonna need this for the birth of the baby, et cetera. And they just, I try to like plead for my job and they wouldn't take me back. And uh, so we lost that job. And then I started kind of thinking, well, we had a mortgage, you know, and the mortgage was based, well, all our bills was based on, you know, my two incomes. So when I lost that one job, I was like, wow, I'm not going to make it work. And I remember I came to you guys and I was like, hey, I've been working for you guys for so long. You know, would you help me out here? And you gave me that raise and that- Was really that the same me. conversation we were just talking about? No, that, that was, was different. That was different. That was like, I think a few years after. And, and the raise was much more substantial than that. Uh, and then, so, and there was, so I, you know, um, so then I, and I just kept this one job working with the brothers. And um, then we decided that, hey, this is not going to be sustainable long term. We got to do something here. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, we started having this conversation. That, oh, maybe I should start, you know, Jimmy's gutters or something. I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I knew I couldn't climb ladders for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, and so then we approached you guys. And at that point, uh, you're like, hey, actually, this crazy thing happened. We just, you know, submitted paperwork to start franchising. So, so let's backtrack a little bit, because I think for a long time you thought Kenny, especially Kenny, but both of us were out of our minds with some of the things that we would dream of yeah. and talk about, because it wasn't, in 2014 was not the first time you heard us say that we wanted to franchise, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, I remember, especially with Kenny, would just say this crazy stuff, like I have such a vision for this company. At the time, I think we're only like two trucks. Yeah. One of them was like constantly breaking down. We're getting towed. Leaking oil everyone. He's like, I have a vision. We're gonna one day we're gonna have a brothers gutter university. And we're gonna have brothers gutters in every state. And and then and, and you guys will have opportunities to be able to own your own businesses. And at the time it just sounded like this uh just this just an unbelievable and realistic goal that was just never gonna be attainable. And it was just as, a bunch of noise back then, right? A bunch of noise. It really was. And I didn't see myself uh, being anything more than just an installer. And then I would figure out, you know, I said, this is where I'm planted right now. I'll just keep working until I can't work anymore in the field. And then I'll figure out what's next when I can't climb ladders anymore. So, wow. yeah. That's crazy. And I, I was just, I, I'm, I'm, I, this is off script, but I'm just reminded of um, like who you were. I mean, you always had integrity. You always worked hard but you really pushed against being a leader. Yeah. Um, you kind of let your little brother end up moving up ahead of you mm -hmm. in the company, right? That's right. Um, yeah. When things came down to it, you were just, you just wanted to be the second guy. Yeah. Please just let me be the second guy, right? <laughs> and now you're an incredible leader. 
Yeah. That's that's crazy. And I, I feel like I, we should, Ken and I should take a little credit for pushing you a bit. And sometimes circumstances push it. You know, if somebody gets hurt or they can't be there and then you've got to leave. But I mean, but prior to be able to put on that business owner mind, you had to switch over from wanting to just be the guy in the background to being the leader. You want to just touch on that for like a minute? Yeah. And I think you, that's a, a great point. And uh, you guys have always talked about, you know, uh, leaders raising leaders and you don't always see potential in leaders, right? You don't always see potential of leadership in people. Um, but then for whatever reason, you guys saw something in me. And, and I remember it was very difficult for me to be able to see myself as a leader. I was always comfortable taking direction from people and just being, you know, doing what you're being told, not having a lot of responsibility, just go do my job and then go home, get paid, go home. Uh, and that was comfortable for a while. And then, you know, with the system that you guys were developing, you know, the reading all the books, you know, stuff like that, uh, I started really embracing that. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden I started seeing like, yeah, there is a leadership uh, side to me that uh, I never knew existed. And yeah. so I started kind of like just owning that. Uh, and then I saw myself basically climbing, so to speak, the ladder in terms of leadership. And, yep. uh, it's never left me since. Uh, so every day is growth in terms of leadership, but I've completely embraced it. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. All right, so let's like, we're going to start hopping into kind of the meat of this. I, could go, I would love to even just unpack that more because <laughs> there's just so much there. But um, let's talk about the myth, the, this myth, this uh, myth busting the cost of franchising. That's kind of what we're, we're focusing on today. And a lot of people, even on the gutter forums and stuff, you see them, you know, why would you, uh, you know, buy a franchise? You know, you could just keep all the money. Why would you pay them when you could just keep it all? You can either stay small, keep it all, or you can scale for sale if that's what you'd want to do. But you were caught right there and you had conflicting advice all over. So um, as far as you, I think at one point you just said, you know, I think we were going to, think about doing the franchise right mm -hmm. and man you and your wife your wife whoo she can grill you when that girl's got questions <laughs> man yeah. my goodness Detail oriented yeah so you were right there with stay small keep it all you know pay ryan and ken or i mean nobody knew the business better than you i mean you've been there you were you were there for every single system mm -hmm. everything we implemented you were there for the skills ladder. You were there for when we started to look at RPH. You were there for the branding. You saw everything. Even good, the, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, the, the good, bad, the bad, the bad and the ugly. That's right. yeah. And you were sitting there like nobody had a better education than you firsthand of what it's going to take and what the steps were. Yet, so why don't you take us right up to that point? You know, we all know you decided to franchise, but tell me about the crosshairs when you were stuck with the decision of. Yeah. It, it goes back to this point, which which you made so well, which is, you know, I basically, I was there, you know, when the company was going through all these struggles, trying to you make a business work, you know, one truck and two trucks, and then we're back to one truck. And I saw that. I saw the struggle that you guys went through, you know, trying to implement systems and stuff like that. And then I also started seeing uh, what, you know, these systems being implemented, like what, how that resulted into growth. And I saw the progression. I saw, um, you know, the trajectory in which we were going and it was always upwards. You know, I, I, we started hiring more people. We started raising leaders. People are reading books, you know, customer service, you know, technology and all that stuff. And it was like, it was, it was unheard of for a gutter company. 
And so when the time came and I was uh, faced with a decision to either start a brother's, uh, a Jimmy's gutters versus a brother's gutters, I just looked at, man, I mean, I saw all the years it took you guys to be able to get to where you are. And I said to myself, why would I want to go through all of that <laughs> on my own? You know, versus a system that's already been established. Where I've, I've seen it work. I've yeah. seen the results. And I said to myself, do I want to start from scratch or do I want to take the, the, the shorter uh, route? And so I went with the brother's gutters because stuff was already figured out for me and I mm. didn't have to figure it out for myself. Um, so, and, and, and that's, it, it, it was a no brainer for us. Uh, we definitely great. had a lot of people try to talk us out of it. And yeah. for the same reason that you're saying, why would you want to pay? Yeah, talk about the reasons. Like, what do people say, you know, that you might've not thought of yourself, but what are like, you know, like that's what the whole thing is. What were people saying? Oh man, we heard it all. You know, these guys, you know, all, all they want to do is just, you know, this is their retirement plan. You know, they want to move to the Bahamas. And so, you know- it's, Well, it is our retirement plan. It is our retirement plan. <laughs> I don't but, know about the Bahamas, but- <laughs> <laughs> Like, why would you want to spend that money? You can, all you got to do is just, you know, get maybe 20 grand in, 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 you know, in a loan and then buy your own truck and then get going. Yeah. Uh, you know, why would you want to be paying monthly royalty to them when you can keep all that money? Mm -hmm. I mean, we heard it all. People yeah. are like, this is a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea. Uh, and at some point, we actually started thinking this is a terrible idea. Uh, why would we? Uh, but, you know, but at the same token, we had a lot of people also encouraged us. And we did a lot of research as well. And mm -hmm. We saw the percentages of people who actually got into franchising. Um, and we're able to fast track their, uh, you know, their success. Yeah. So, and we just chose the latter and we said, Hey, listen, we're going to take it and we're going to do our best and see what happens. And here we are today. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the number one people. Did you have a question, Ken? Yeah, I was just, uh, I, I did have a question. So now that you look back at the decision that you made compared to if you were to go out on your own, uh, one of the things that I notice with a lot of people that do go out on their own, um, it, it, it just to, to one of the myths that you can bust on franchising is that there's a lot of different um, investment levels, but for the level of investment that you had to make into Brothers Gutters as opposed to what you would have had to do on your own, do you think that that probably would have been more expensive in the long run doing it on your own than what your upfront investment was to do in this? Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Uh, because first of all, I think going with a franchise, you almost saw the uh, light at the end of the tunnel without actually you going through that tunnel, mm -hmm. you know, right off the beginning. I, cool. I basically looked at it this way. Well, I've seen what there's the systems I've done for them being able to scale their business. And so if I basically uh, repeat that same model, why would it not work for me versus going to start a, a Jimmy's gutters that nobody would know who we are. We didn't have the branding. Uh, we wouldn't have the capital and things like that. And, and, the, and the end result is not guaranteed. Now, I'm not saying that it wouldn't have worked out. It probably would have worked out. Yeah. But I, again, it goes back to that point. Um, I preferred to uh, basically invest a little bit more out front, knowing that I had a much better chance of being successful. Yeah. Uh, and for me, that's been the case. Uh, the other point is, is um, there's a, 
a, a group, um, it's called a small business group on, on Facebook that I belong to, uh, you know, a lot of business people across the country. And, uh, and I actually posted something a couple of weeks ago where I basically said, I don't know if anyone else is having this kind of problem, but I'm in a situation where in five years I've developed a, a business where it's running without me, about like 90% of it running without me. And there are times where I'm wondering, what do I do with my time? And I said, is there anyone else who goes through this? And I, I've, I think there's been over 120 responses. People just mostly say, hate mail, right? Well, actually, it's all great. Everybody <laughs> just basically congratulating me and saying, wow, how did you do it? I've been doing, I've been running my business for 22 years, and I work 18 hours a day every day, and I don't have to do that. And and, and in part, it's because of the fact that we followed a system that yeah. was already developed that we saw work. Yeah. And I think it's and a, that's what uh, at a that's, caveat right there, because like you're exceptional. We have an awesome system that I believe if people do follow it, they'll succeed. But you have actually followed it to the T just because you buy a franchise doesn't make you automatically successful. Right. Um, but, you know, you and Jesse and your team have really embraced everything that Ken and I spent you know, 15 years developing, you've really embraced and put to practice. Right. While we have, um, you know, I'd say we're, we're very successful as a franchise, but we have varying franchisees with varying degrees of success. And right. it really comes down to their ability and willingness to implement everything. Yeah, yeah. that's correct. Yeah. But you also say, Jimmy, based on what you said there, I mean, this is what, your sixth full year in business now? Yes, we're starting our sixth season. Sixth so, season, basically. So when you look at all those, when you look at all those other guys that you're talking about in these forums and stuff, and you see them working these crazy hours, and, and I, I, Ryan and I certainly know what it's like to work crazy hours, um, especially in the development phase when you're trying to go, um, when you're trying to scale up, uh, and many people don't see it. Wouldn't you say though that if um, if if these guys had invested in something or had a coach or somebody that could have you know, I, I would definitely say 15 years as opposed to what, I mean, you've been, you've been in this kind of out of the hourglass for probably half the time you've been in business, right? So like maybe three years, you started seeing that, uh, you know, it flipped the switch kind of where you were on the other side of it. You're not working these crazy hours. You're not in startup mode anymore. And certainly there's a startup to every type of business, but um, franchising from what you're saying has allowed you to shortcut the time frame to get there faster. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think I mentioned that before, where if I went with Jimmy's gutters or, or whatever, eventually it would have worked out, but how long would it have taken for me to be able to actually develop it? it again, uh, back to a point uh, yesterday, there is a, a gutter forum on Facebook <laughs> where there is a guy uh, who is actually kind of in my area. And, you know, he posted his uh, quote unquote fleet of, uh, of, of his trucks and he has two trucks and I think a pickup truck and everybody, and he said, can everybody post their fleet and stuff? And everyone was posting pictures of their fleet. And so I asked him, how long have you been in business? He says, he's been in business for 21 years and he apparently has two trucks. You know, I've been in business for five years. Uh, and we're about to have our uh, our eighth truck this year. I think so, you know, I think you can see the difference there on how fast we've been able to grow. And in part because of the fact that there was a system that was developed and established and tested and proven, proven and we've seen it work. Yeah. And 
I had preferred to have a system that's been proven to work and we've seen the results versus starting on my own and maybe eventually I would have succeeded, but how long would it have taken for me to be able to get out of a truck, you know, to, you know, to, to, to be, you know, to have more time uh, with family mm. and, and not work as, as, as long hours as some people do because they're a one man show. So, yeah, no, I agree. So let's, let's break down some of the costs. All right. And uh, there's a, you know, we don't have uh, I didn't print out our QuickBooks from the last 10 years to, 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 to compare all this, but I want to talk a little bit about hard costs. And then I also just want to talk about your fifth year. And then Ken and I are going to rack our brain to go back to what our fifth year in business looked like. <laughs> you know, I, I love to just uh, like comparison. I don't think I want to remember. Oh man. Yeah. It's always good to remember because then you, you know, you, you see how far you've come. Yeah. No, no, it's great. And, yeah. I, and I think it's worth it because I think you do, you do forget how good the system is. You do yeah. forget your pain after a while. And, and uh, I think it's really good to, to do that. So a lot of the thing people hear are royalties, right? So right out front, any franchise you buy, there's going to be some sort of a royalty. And that's typically a thank you for um, letting me use your system. It doesn't necessarily go to something, correct? Mm -hmm. And then there's other things like a brand fund that goes to something national, uh, a call center. There's a lot of things, but let's just say arguably the way our franchise works out, about 10% um, goes to the franchise between royalty marketing and the contact center. So you're getting um, the support, you're getting your phones answered, your job scheduled and your marketing managed, mm -hmm. right? that doesn't go to your marketing spend. So a lot of people are, you, you hear that and someone would immediately say, well, you're out of your mind. You would be able to keep that, mm -hmm. right? So I, I'm starting to think in my brain, all right, the average gutter company does 250,000 a year. So they get to keep that 25 grand, right? Mm -hmm. And that's basically where they plateau and maybe 20, 21 years later, they can go to that second crew. So that's what we see. So that's just the one thing that they're thinking about keeping. Right. And then I was thinking about, well, what do you do with that 25 grand that you kept? Well, for us, we spent so much money um, developing a brand, developing the systems, all the stuff that goes into it is just it, that money I would have gladly paid if, if Ken and I could have raised that money sometime in 2002 <laughs> and short tracked so much that would have been awesome right. um so yeah i think a lot of times they think they're keeping what they don't even have sometimes even people think about that when they're investing well why would i pay a broker i could keep that money well if you can learn everything he did and get a better return then yes you could essentially keep it but if that guy's going to take your ten thousand and turn it into 20 and you take your ten thousand and turn it into 11 what do you care if yeah. you kept the, his commission yeah and i really do think that's where people well, do you want a million dollar company or do you want a $250,000 company? And you have, you're, you're going to be hitting $3 million um, this, year, this year. Yeah. This, this year, year 3.2, 3.2, you know, and that's a lot of money, you know, like you, you are going to be, you know, uh, spending money, but on the flip side, you're in your fifth year worrying about paying, you know, some, you're not even worried about it versus somebody who could be in their 20th still hanging in the gutter, still figuring it out. So it's money. I, I look at it as money you would have never had to give to anybody anyway. Right. You know, what, what do you guys have to say about that? Yeah. I mean, so it, it, you think about it. 
the people who don't want to pay their royalty. So they choose to maybe start their own business. And again, we're not going to knock those people. They probably love doing the gutters. They love- And whether you scale it or not, some people are happy. They're happy. Yeah. yeah. They're making really good money. Uh, they get to work hard every day, but they don't get to grow. Um, so, but they don't, you know, they stay small, they keep it all. Um, for us, we, we chose a different model because our priorities were different. It wasn't just a keep it on, keeping it all in terms of the money aspect of it, but there was also the other stuff like just freedom to be able to spend more time with family, to be able to take a vacation, um, you know, things like that. Um, so we, I looked at it from that standpoint that, you know, if I chose this route, basically I would fast track myself to success uh, versus someone who basically, you know, chose to do it on their own. So again, you know, we could keep going back and forth on that, why I chose a franchise versus this. But for me, it was more of not just the money, uh, but it was also the other things that came along with it. Yep. I don't know if that kind of, um, you know. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I just, oh, I just want to take one item, yeah. branding. Okay, so when we started, Ken, Ken was waterfall, seamless gutters, um, not really a logo. So I developed a logo, it was terrible considering I'm a graphic designer. <laughs> you, graphic designer. you shouldn't you know, admit that. I know. I, I know. I was proud of that for a long time that I had a graphic design degree until I started to see some of my early work. Um, I thought it was fine. Yeah, Ken. Ken's like, looks great. <laughs> I love it. Put it on the truck. It was, was the that biggest... the one with the... No, that was the second one. Let's go. Oh, let's just get this, let's get this show on the road. We'll be here for the next, for the, for the, for another half of our life trying to figure out the freaking logo. Yeah, so, so unfortunately... <laughs> We spent years tinkering around with terrible logos and branding. And um, if you know anything about marketing, that it costs you more to have yeah. a bad name of a company and a bad logo because the, the amount of money you have to spend to get any kind of brand awareness is unbelievable. Right. We didn't know that. You know, eventually when we actually spent the money to go from the logos I was creating to hiring a professional. It's, it was about six months to a year of time and over $7,000. Yeah. So those are the hard costs is the 7,000. We hired a bunch of different artists, finally found a company, went through a bunch of revisions and we had the, the logo that you see today with a few modifications. So you're talking from 1999 to 2013-ish oh, yeah. of working on a brand that you see today. So forget the dollars, look at the time, yeah. look at the wraps, the rewraps, the new business cards, the updated. It's unbelievable. Every, I could, Ken, I'm driving nuts. We needed more brochures. It was three months because I didn't like the old ones and I wanted to redesign them. <laughs> you know, so it was an enormous amount of money. That's just one. Now technology going from paperless to Quicken. Look, we used Quicken wow. in the beginning, made yeah. a mess. Finally got QuickBooks, then QuickBooks online. We were doing paper stuff, then a, a CRM. Like the it's the money is 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 one thing, but yeah. the money was spent and misspent over years. Yeah. Rather than up front, you pay and you get right, a brand right. that you look like you've been in business for 25 years yes. or more. So there's just a lot of value that yes, if somebody is a like got lucky and they go on fiverr.com and someone gives them a killer logo for under 500 bucks, you might get lucky, mm -hmm. but um, there's a lot of unforeseens there. So I just, I think it's important. That's just one aspect, figuring out the right truck, the setup, how to put your tools, 
the systems for training, yeah. all the things that if you're thinking about any kind of franchise, you want to make sure you're not just getting a clever brand. There's a lot of good marketers now. Yeah. You could, I could come up with an idea for a widget right now and somebody can design me a killer brand if I want to spend five grand. Yeah. But is that going to get you the longevity? Exactly. And then that's, that's exactly what I, you know, that I absolutely agree with you where in the beginning it does feel like, man, this is quite a heavy amount uh, that we have to shell out up front. Right. Yeah. And uh, it feels, you know, it feels daunting. You don't want to, but then again, compared to maybe someone who's starting out on their own where they probably need like just 20 grand to be able to buy a truck and put a machine on there and maybe a couple of t-shirts and be out and making money. But again, you still got to so, find the clients. You still got to find the clients. Yeah. You got to market and stuff like that. But still, yeah, maybe the cost of starting out, you know, as 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 an individual is way less. But then again, where does that take you? How long does it take you? Versus, yeah, you're dishing it out out front, up front. But then you have a fast track to success where the return, that investment, you know, does you know does matter, does pay off. The length of time, just like you said, how long do you want it to take? Yeah. You know, do you want to take 21 years for you to be on a second truck? Or do you want to be, yeah. you know, in five years, have seven, eight trucks yeah. and be able to pay back, you know, that investment that you made up front? So the good I thing mean, is we've got, we've got Ken on the phone call. Yeah. Hey, Ken, um, how much did you uh, spend to start your gutter business? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh, actually. man, it was probably about, I think no, no. I had some uh, treasury bonds. Yep. There was probably about twelve hundred dollars worth of treasury bonds that we had from our grandma, our our grandmother, and uh, my mother had squirreled away, and I asked for those. She was reluctant to give them to me because she knew I was going in the direction uh, opposite of what I went to college for for teaching, but I did anyway. I had a five hundred dollar gutter truck that broke down more times than than it got. You know, it ran my first year. Uh, but a lot of opposition, um, it, it, but it, you know, it just, it took a lot of failing forward for years and years. And, and uh, again, you know, my time wasn't my own. I didn't have a network of people that had my back. If I had any questions, I mean, I had to figure out every little thing by trial and error. And uh, you know, I knew how to hang gutter and that was about it. But the business side of it, I think is what kills a lot of guys that are starting up their own business is they have the skill of it, um, but they don't have like a budget or anything like that. So they think that they're making money a lot of times, uh, but they're not really seeing a lot of the costs and the soft costs and especially the time um, when it comes to that kind of money and uh, that's being uh, poured into the business or, or even maybe even not poured into the business and eventually can lead to uh, you know, a, a lot of time going by really fast. And it's like, okay, where am I getting? I'm not getting anywhere with this thing. Um, I'm certainly not going to be able to sell it. Um, but you have to be super disciplined, which we talked about in our last podcast. So I won't go down that path. You have to be super disciplined to be self-employed and, and, it, and you've got to be able to know your limitations. Um, uh, because, uh, there's going to be opportunity loss, but, with a franchise, you, you know, that franchise that's done right, it's going to give you the support. It's going to have all the other people that are part of it that you can glean information from ongoing. And there should be a, not just, a, you know, the all investment, but what does the all investment look like five years down the road? Like where you are, Jimmy, what does that look like? You know, is it just as good or is it better 
than yeah. when you first started. And well, I want to get to that, but while I was preparing for this, something hit me. Ken started a gutter business for 1200 bucks. Yeah. Right. So we could end the podcast there. Go out, look at what we did with 1200 bucks. You know, go ahead. Yeah. Anyone can do it. If Ken can do it, yeah. anyone can do it. Right. And if I can do it, anyone can do it. The, but, the, gutter, the gutter machine I had was a gutter maker. And I was able, that machine could make gutter like, like it was the best. I, I resurrected it from the dead. And Ryan, when he was doing estimates and I was still hanging by myself, he stuck me with this job, two story in the back of the house, a 77 foot long gutter. And I'm just thinking, oh my God. And he couldn't even get there to help me. Nobody could help me because he was on the other side of the world doing estimates or whatever happened. And I'm on the truck by myself. And that machine was, a, I put up a 77 foot gutter with that machine. That's how strong it made. The, I don't know what it was with how it bent the metal or what. I did put a lot of extra hangers in it. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> that I didn't need. I did take them out. I didn't leave them in there, but um, I got that thing up on the roof. No, no. I got that thing on the roof and I hung it up there, man. I made it happen. It might be a world record. We don't know. No don't one was know. there to confirm. Uh, Guinness I don't know, but it was a long yeah. But all right, so to make the point, twelve hundred bucks. Yes, you can start a gutter business. And that was twenty, yeah, twenty years ago. So, it's but not, let's fast yeah. forward. So something hit me. So we failed forward. We kept, you know, the the shop. I, I can't even imagine the tens of thousands of dollars between, you know, fixing trucks, learning business, yeah, and everything yeah, else. Yeah. But fast forward to the recession. Here's what's crazy. We looked good enough on paper that when we basically should have went bankrupt. We got a hundred and fifty thousand dollar loan from the bank that to save our business. And I'm like, holy crap! Even doing it ourselves, saving all that money, we still ended up paying. And it costs. So yeah. you know, full disclosure, as of the recording of this podcast, you know, um, people that want to start a gutter franchise or join it, they go get a hundred and fifty thousand dollar loan or have it. And of that, they spend anywhere between a hundred to a hundred and thirty of that to get it off get the started, ground and right. all that kind of stuff yeah. and, and varying degrees of break even between a few months to a year or so, whatever. That's not a disclaimer, but don't, you know, that's just <laughs> kind of a very broad thing. So I'm like, holy crap, that money that people are so worried about giving to someone else, yeah. no matter how you shake it, you're spending it. You're spending we it, right. spent that, we ended up having to get that eight years into business, nine years into business, it took us another 10 years to pay it off. That's the crazy part. So then getting and digging your company out of a hole as big as it was for Ken and I to get out of that recession to the other side of it. So I was, that kind of really hit me hard. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't care if you're going to try and grow your business, you are going to spend, spend that. Money. Yeah. Um, so with that said, here's kind of our, this is really a fun game of uh, where were we and where are you, Jimmy? All right. <laughs> the comparison. Yeah. All right. So yeah. let's start. Uh, two years into business, let's like kind of refresh our brains. So Ken, you started in 99. It's now 2001. All right, Jimmy, you started in 2015. It's now 2017. Ken, you're going to go first. Give us a little snapshot of day in the life of owner operator or business owner Ken in 2001. Uh, 2001, I think, uh, I think my wife and I were pregnant with our first, uh, our daughter, Haley. 
um, I would, uh, she, she was uh, uh, from a on, off, on a maternity leave and, you know, everything, there was a lot of pressure. I remember a lot of pressure. It all like was falling on me. We knew that she wasn't going to go back to work because we wanted her to stay home. And I just knew that, you know, every day I was waking up and I would just work my tail off. I, I would try and I was running as hard and as fast as I could at, at 20, I think I was 28 years old at that point in time and um, doing as many jobs as I could in a day. And I would work all day long, every day, and even sometimes Sundays uh, and doing estimates in between jobs when I got home, I would be answering any messages or calls uh, for clients and uh, setting up those estimates and those jobs in between, ordering materials, uh, barely keeping up with taking care of the truck, <laughs> okay. uh, which seems to be many, always an ongoing thing. Um, what? Any employees at that time? Yeah, I was hiring employees at that time uh, as needed. Uh, I believe Jimmy at that point, uh, at some point, I think it was in the summer, maybe, because I remember the first day he showed up in flip-flops in a tank top uh, in okay. shorts. Glad, that was uh, I don't want to forget shorts. He was wearing shorts. Yeah, it was two of us. It was me and one of the kid, um, you know, this guy. Danny. Danny's again. So one truck. So one truck, and it would be the three yeah. of us. It would be, okay. it would be you know. So yeah. that's a good enough snapshot. So wearing all the hats. You know, so let's 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 go over to Jimmy. Mm -hmm. um, what was your second year in business like? So second year in business, uh, in which was uh, 2016, I believe it was. Uh, we started with one truck, and very similar to uh, Kenny's story, which is basically you. I would start at four o'clock in the morning. I'll be going out and into the shop and getting the truck ready and organized. And then I had an apprentice, just one kid, and I would go out with them and basically- Tommy? Tommy. Love was, Tommy. Oh man, my first, uh, my first apprentice, <laughs> my first employee ever. And uh, so I would focus on just training him. And so we would go to a job. Sometimes the job was, you know, it was like a $600 job and we'd be there for like five hours, <laughs> you know, and we didn't know about revenue per hour and things like that at the time. Uh, but that was it. It, it. I focused on training and then we would get one or two jobs, small jobs done. And around four o'clock, you know, I would have them drop me back off at, at the shop. I would jump into my car and then I would go out and do uh, estimates. And yep. sometimes I wasn't coming back until maybe like around nine o'clock at night. There are times where I was doing estimates in the dark and that was really hard. And then the second year, uh, things got a little bit easier where I was still doing estimates, but now I had two employees in the field. Yeah. So I would still go out with them in the morning. Um, I would still I would still be waking up at four o'clock in the morning. I go out to the shop, get the trucks ready. They'll come in. We'll go out, do one or two jobs, focusing on training again. And then at some point, I started feeling more comfortable where instead of leaving at four to go do estimates, I'll be leaving at twelve. Okay. So they would then stay and finish jobs while I went out and did more estimates and did okay. estimates. So I started to see a little bit of an easing um, of, of that pressure because of, you know, just that additional adding staff on and also training. Okay. The good thing is I didn't have to focus on certain things like, you know, marketing or taking oh, yeah. calls because, which is part of the, the beauty of a franchise, you yep. know. Um, if it was just Jimmy's gutters, then I'd be worried about, okay, now I got to go do estimates. Now I got to call those clients. Now I got to, you know, I got to figure out what, the, where we at in, in Google. 
um, a ranking and stuff like that. I didn't have to worry about the schedule of my estimates or the schedule of my job mm-hmm. or my marketing. That was all taken care of. Cool. You know? But from the outside looking in, like from what I just heard, your second year didn't look that much different than Ken's second year. You're both working your tails off. You're thinking about business nonstop. You're waking up but early to do a bunch of stuff and then you're getting done late. You know, the only difference I'm hearing, and I'm sure there was more, um, Ken was still by himself with a rotating bunch of guys. You had a salesperson and guys going out and doing the work. So you're, you're, you're getting closer to your next steps um, at that point, correct? All right. So now let's fast forward. We're year five, right where you are right now, Jimmy. And Ken, you're going to go back to 2004, 2005 in your brain. So Ken, again, day in the life, what, what does your business look like, your employees look like? Well, at that point, um, me and you, I think, had uh, become partners. You had taken on the role of being doing estimates, which was kind of a relief at that point in time for me. And all I had to do was really focus in on uh, production. And... Uh, um, and I had probably about, I think we had our, we had our second truck by then. So we were at two trucks and, um, uh, we had probably one, two, three, four, four of us. Uh, I believe it was Jimmy, Job and Peter Awando who owns, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And, uh, it, we had an unbelievable crew and it was 2004. So what was awesome about 2004 is that we started seeing that big, huge boom. Um, the real estate was booming. New construction was booming. I mean, we were thought we were, you know, had arrived, you know, we were like working for Lennar homes and toll brothers and all these big contracts were coming in and we thought we were so great. Um, and, uh, you know, things were feeling really good. Did, was there an office admin at that point or not yet? Uh, yes, I believe, uh, I believe we had one. Elisa, I believe, was one of our first. Okay. So the, the makings of a company. And now just talk about the cash flow a little bit. Was there any? <laughs> there was cash flow, but as soon as it was coming in, which I didn't know anything about because I didn't pay attention to the numbers. I just went and worked hard every day and the money would just go, go somewhere. I had no idea where it went. <laughs> okay. So, you know, you're wearing the, the sales hat, you know, I'm wearing the sales hat, you're wearing the production hat, we have an office person, things are happening. Like you said, you can do this on your own. Um, no cash flow whatsoever. We're in business to pay employees, basically. Um, okay, awesome. Jimmy, five years in today, day in the life of Jimmy, you're oh, here now. Yeah. Uh, so we're actually in uh, at the headquarters of Brothers Guys headquarters in New York, and uh, we bought our entire um basically leadership team uh that is you know sales uh general manager production coordinator all um team captains and the lead installers they're all here getting trained um again we talked about that leaders raising leaders and so we're getting them trained so that when we go back now you know we can focus on training apprentices who hopefully then also become you know future um uh, lead installers so five years later uh where are we at I've replaced myself in pretty much all the roles which I started with, all those hats. You know, I've been taking them off one by one from uh, the first year in 2015 to now. Um, I have one hat, which is I'm just, a, a, you know, a, a visionary guy. So I'm seeing, I'm looking at the big picture. 
we've replaced ourselves, my wife and I, who were uh, 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 equal partners with, we've worked so hard to replace ourselves and, and put people in those positions that we used to hold. Uh, and again, focusing on developing leaders. It's amazing what, what happens when you raise leaders and those leaders take your position because they then do things so much better than you did and much more efficient. There's so many things that I don't understand. I don't, I don't have to understand, but because now we have people in place that are taking those responsibilities. So where am I now? I'm looking at a year from now, two years from now. I'm yeah. not involved uh, necessarily with the everyday uh, decision-making process, at least not in a wide scale. There's still stuff that obviously go through me, uh, you know, still, uh, uh, you know, decisions I have to make um you know advice that i have to give and stuff like that but you know i it's it's much much different that's crazy different. Yeah. so in your five years versus ken's and in my five years we're at enormously different places you're at a place that most people work their entire life and don't get to yeah so curiously so you you've been in this place for at least a year correct yeah. maybe even more yeah where you're more of a semi-passive business owner what are the things that you're able to think about now that you're out of that hourglass? Like, what are some of the things that you're thinking about to do either with your time or your business? So, I mean, you reach a certain point where you start to not just think about yourself, but the people who are within your team. You know, you've raised these leaders. Well, guess what? They're never satisfied with their, where they're at. They want to be more. So there's two things. Either... Um, you're going to have to create positions for them, or if they don't feel like they're getting or they're not where they want to be, guess what? They're going to go somewhere else. Yep. So one of the biggest focus I have, especially when you have great team members, people who are bought into the vision and the culture and what you're trying to do, now it's your job to not just maintain the position that you've created for them. You now have to look at a bigger picture. How can I create that next position for them? So that good. next growth so that then they can go there because otherwise you're going to lose them, you know, or they're just so not. Sometimes you grow just to keep people. I mean, sometimes you grow just to keep people and it's not necessarily for yourself. And so I feel like that's where we're at right now, where how do we grow the business? You know, how do we get more involved with the community? How do we find our own place and our own identity, you know, uh, of uh, you know a physical place where a great place to work where people can feel like wow this is this is for us you know how do we create that next position um, so there are a lot of stuff that we're doing obviously things like networking being involved with the community um, you know things like that um, that are really uh, you know some of the things that we're focusing on right now how do we open another uh, another um, location uh, so that's another thing that we're looking at right now where next year we're looking to add another office uh, to cover the, you know, the other parts of our territory. That's awesome. So that's kind of, so now I kind of want to, you know, maybe shamelessly, you know, try and promote the franchise or what we think we're, we're giving. I knew it, but it was all about promoting but, the franchise. Well, this one is like some of them we try not to overly sell things, but we're talking strictly about franchising. So I think this is a good opportunity. Um, but um, Ken puts it great he, uh, about the, the minefields, like things blow up left and right when you're in business, you know, you know, by yourself and you don't know that something's a bad idea. You don't know if bearing's a bad idea until it blows up in your face and right. you can tell someone else. So what we feel like we've done um, is Ken and I have gone out there and for, you know, we're at the 20 year mark in business and we're still finding things out, but we found out all the things that blow up 
And then we created a, a, a map basically. Mm -hmm. So we went and then that blows up. So we draw an X on our map. Don't step there. Yeah. There's a minefield. Yeah. We're, we're actually 22 years in business. We started in 99 and it's 2021, right? 22 years in business. So Ken and I have kept a, a map. You know, anytime something blows up, we put an X and then we come up with a solution. And that's what I feel like in 2015, we were able to give to you and say, here's the map. There's probably a few minefields that we haven't discovered yet, but here's all the ones we found. And, I, and we feel like when, when somebody has that map, that yes, it doesn't mean things are gonna go perfect. There could be things that happened to you that didn't never happen to us, right. uh, which yes, there's some things that have happened in your business that have never happened to us. But what's so cool is just by that quick analogy of Ken's five years versus your five years, you're to the complete other side of business mm -hmm. that people don't even achieve in a lifetime. And I believe it's because a lot because of you, not to take anything away from you, you've run it. But that map we gave you and the systems in the roadmap, I believe has helped you um, fast track that. Uh, so this is the part where I was hoping that maybe you can expound upon maybe some of the support, some of the systems, some of the highlight, some of the items that you're so glad were on that map mm -hmm. to help you navigate it as fast as possible. Yeah. I mean, think about it. If someone says to you, Hey, listen, you know, I have a map to this treasure, whatever spot, but you got to go through this and you got to go through this and don't go over there and don't go over there and don't go over there. You know, this is where it's at. And someone hands you that. Would you take it? Yeah. Versus the other guy's like, the treasure's it's over, there. over there. It's over there. Just let me know when you get there. So in both, you, you know there. where the you know where the treasure is. Right. But one, you know how to, how get, to there. get there. The other one, you gotta figure out how to get there. You don't like know that. if there's snakes along the way, if there are, you know, all kinds of stuff. But someone says, hey, avoid this one. Don't take that route because the last time when we took that route, we ended up in a ditch. Just take you know, follow this map. And that's exactly uh, you know what the franchise has been for us. Um, especially to see it work where I was in the system and I saw the struggles in the beginning before the systems were developed, mm -hmm. right? And to just see you guys kind of just, you know, running around in circles to see the system being developed and then seeing it work where we came from one truck to two trucks to that many trucks. And so when it was time to franchise, the, it, it was, it was a no brainer, you know? So, um, when you're within that franchise family or system, there's so many things that um, are at your disposal, but that you normally wouldn't have if you're starting, you know, uh, on your own. Such as? as? Such as marketing. I mean, I don't have to worry about all I gotta do is say, hey, listen, I wanna, okay, this is what you need to do. Hey, I wanna do this. Well, this is what you need to do. Every marketing, uh, contact center that I don't have to be, you know, I don't have to be on a ladder and a client calls and they want to schedule an estimate, it's taken care of. And you have two admin and you still use the contact center. And I still use a contact center. And, and that goes to show you just how busy it can get. You know, there are people who, maybe the wives are their admin and, and still not be able to handle the volume. So even from a, a volume standpoint, uh, just to know that we don't have to worry about taking all those calls and the things being scheduled. Um, uh, just the coaching. I mean, that's an, you know, I think Ken mentioned earlier where a lot of times you have these installers who turn, you know, turn quote unquote businessmen, they want to go out on their own and they don't know if they're making money or not. They're waiting until the end of the year to figure out, just to realize, holy crap, I owe $32,000 in taxes. They don't know their numbers. And that's part of where things like coaching comes in, where on a monthly basis, 
we get to sit down, we get to analyze the month before what happened, you know, how, how, why is it that your material percentage, you know, is that high and you're able to, you know, kind of like modify things so that you're back on track. A lot of people don't have that, just their, that financial, uh, mm. you know, that financial and, and, and the business coaching. So uh, there's just so much in, 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 in a franchise that you are able to take so much of it and, and utilize it to, to make yourself successful. Um, so I feel like that's what's been very successful for us, that we've been able to tap into all the stuff that the franchise system has to offer. That's so cool. I love that. And there's, there's just, and I love that you have your whole team up here today and they're training and you and yeah, I are goofing yeah. off doing right. a podcast with Ken and your team is getting trained. And, and, and I, I would imagine the goal is that they come out of here today, energized, have a couple more tips and tricks and tools at their disposal. So that's just some of it, you know, um, we're going to kind of wrap it up with what to know about joining a franchise. You know, there are some hard costs involved. There are some ways to get a franchise, um, how to fund it. There are uh, brokers that if, if you start to Google like gutter franchise, um, you're gonna, you might end up talking with a broker, whether it's a mm -hmm. restaurant or this or that. Yeah. So we're going to just kind of go down that rabbit hole just a little bit uh, before ending um, so, and, and this is kind of Ken's world a lot, a, a lot. Ken does a lot on the franchising. And so what are some of the basic startup fees of getting a franchise going, Ken? Well, there's investment levels and there's all different types of franchises out there. And I think this is something that, you know, the ordinary average person on the planet doesn't really even realize. I think there's more people than we even probably can think of that dream about or think about, you know what, I'd like to own my own business, but you know, there's, there's, there's always this fear or lack of knowledge, right? Lack of knowledge leads to fear. And I think that's what keeps people from, you know, uh, going down the path of exploring their entrepreneurial, you know, thing that we all, I think have inside of us. Um, and maybe there's not, everybody has that, but I think a lot of people do. And, I, you know, that's why we see a lot of these career and transition people. They've had their career of being employed uh, or working for somebody who's self-employed. And now they want to, you know, take control of their own destiny, so to speak. And I think, you know, understanding that, you know, there's people out there that can help you to get educated and to get informed um, on what is the right fit for you. And I think that's the start right there is, you know, what business would be the right fit for me? What am I passionate about? What do I like? You know, there's. There's franchises in home services. That's what we happen to fall into. There's retail, there's food, there's technology franchises, there's health and wellness franchises. There's tons of different franchises. There's franchises for just about every type of business out there. Um, so th that's the starting point. Once you have that as a starting point and you can you know, get a feel for, okay, this is which direction I wanna head in, then you can start getting pre-approved like you would for a house. When you get pre-approved for a house, for a mortgage, a real estate agent isn't going to go show you around to $15 million houses if it's, you can't get pre-approved for it, right? You're not going <laughs> to waste your time. And it's the same thing with a broker uh, that's uh, selling businesses for a living. They're going to do the same thing. They're going to see, okay, what do you like? What, do you, what can we get you pre-approved for so that you know, we're not wasting each other's time? And that way you do find something, you know, you don't have a rug ripped out from underneath you. So I think that's super important is to have somebody that can, uh, you know, as, and there's, there's lots of brokers out there that are great. There's 
probably over a couple thousand brokers across the country that uh, that's what they do for a living. They, they, they help people make an educated decision uh, first about what they can afford, the investment level, and then also with their personality, their type of uh, passion, and they try and fit them with uh, a few franchises. It's usually like it could be anywhere from three to as many as six or seven I've heard people look at at one time. Um, I, I would recommend to try and look at maybe three or four because it can be overwhelming uh, to take in all that information um, and whittle it down as much as you can. But once you get to that point, now you're starting to really uh, see um, you know, what that could look like. And I, I think that's one of, the, one of the things in this country about business is that we're not teaching it to people. We're not teaching business to people. We're not teaching them, unless they go to business school, uh, it's not being taught like it's being taught to here, go to school and get a good job. Um, we're not teaching go to school and learn how to be a business owner, <laughs> you know? So you kind of have to lean on people that you know in your own life that have gone down that path, um, but not everybody has that. And so another way to do that is to go to a broker and, and, uh, and see. And what's cool about that is you're not really having to really pay anything uh, for that service, just like you're not paying a real estate agent until they sell your house, right? Um, so, and it's very educational, go down that path and you'll learn a lot. You learn a lot about yourself and who you are because a lot of personality tests are, are given, like Zorical uh, is a great one to see what kind of a person you are. Are you a driver? Are you a achiever? Um, you know, all kinds of things. And um, I think that's the, the beginning. That's a, a better path in my mind than saying, hmm, you know, I'm going to think about going to my own business and not have anybody help me and just try and figure it out myself. Um, yeah. You know, that's no matter what, get some help. That's, what I, that's <laughs> what I would recommend as a start because then you start, uh, the more informed you become, the more that you bust the myth on franchising. Uh, a lot of people think that once you start going down that path, oh, I don't want to do franchising, you know, those Dunkin' Donuts, they're like millions of dollars and, you know, these franchises are so expensive. And yeah, it, it's true to a certain extent, depending on what you're looking at. Um, but there's a lot of franchises that you could get into for a very reasonable amount. You know, I know t that there's franchises out there that you could get into for a territory fee, for example, could be $15,000 to $50,000. Um, yeah. You know, and, and people spend more money on that on, on cars, uh, yeah. the, the, the average person. So, you know, it's there, you got to find the right investment level. And, and there's like 4,000 plus franchises worldwide. So there's yes. something that I, I really believe that there is something for everyone. Um, but you just got to go down the path and, and, and see which one is the right fit for you. That's great. No, I appreciate it. So um, we're just going to wrap it up now. You know, Jimmy, this has been awesome. Yeah. I wish been you great. lived closer. We yeah. could do this every week. I love <laughs> it. topic every week. Yeah, yeah. seriously. So this is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I think we really did a great job kind of going down that, that myth of the cost. And it doesn't seem like you can get really around that cost. Yeah. And as long as they truly have support, uh, I guess we can go back to, yeah, there's 4,000 franchises out there that you can choose from. But it comes down to, are you going to have the support right. to get to that treasure uh, that you want? So um, I kind of want to end it with, 
What do you think, Jimmy, are some of the major keys of being profitable? You know, a lot of people can say I do a million or two million or $10 million, but at the end of the day, how much are you keeping? How much are you able to like, you know, are you profitable? So what do you think are a couple key things for being profitable, not only in a franchise, but in business? Yeah. Well, we get in business so that we can be profitable, right? If you would think, you would think, right? So again, if you don't know your numbers, you could be surprised sometimes that you're just, you know, you're working hard or every day in, day out, year in, year out. And, uh, but you're not making any money. And so, uh, you know, you, you, you just not enjoying the benefits of, you know, being a business owner. And uh, for me, uh, being profitable has meant that, you know, we're able to, you know, expand and grow a business um, just right off the bat. Uh, we're able to create more opportunities. What were the keys so to what, get there though? So well, number one, I think is knowing your numbers is extremely important, which I also um, mentioned before. If you don't have a coach who's actually walking you through your numbers, not everybody knows their numbers, but if you have someone who's walking you through your numbers and being able to tell you, what it is that you're doing right, what it is that you're doing wrong, so you could be able to make adjustments. You could focus on one, two, numbers. One, two numbers. What numbers, what numbers are well, the numbers? Because someone- Gross profit and your net profit is probably one of the most important numbers to be able to figure out, um, to be able to know. Um, so you're, you need to know your gross and your net. You gotta know your gross and your net. You gotta know where you're spending, uh, where you're spending, are you getting the return on investment? So um, yeah, it, we, there's another huge number that we actually talk about on a regular basis, which is the one number that helps us make, you know, day-to-day decision, which is called a revenue per hour. Being yeah. able to just know a, a number as simple as that. You can't go and teach your, you know, your installers, you know, it, you can't show them every single number because it's just overwhelming. There's a lot, but we have a number that we know is simple enough that if they understand how this number works and that this is where we need to be at, for us to be successful, um, you know, you teach on that number, they understand how that number works. Um, that allows them to, you know, to be uh, invested, and, uh, you know, in the company in terms of them knowing that, hey, if we're here, we're being successful. Yeah. And that means uh, in return that we they can be successful as well. So, great. so just that RPH uh, revenue yeah. per hour, which is the most important number. And revenue us. per hour, for those of you that don't know, it's how much revenue did you do? Mm-hmm. And then Correct. how many hours did it take? And you right. divide the two. Right. So if it's a thousand dollar job and you did it in 10 hours, it's a hundred dollars of revenue per hour. Right. Yep. Probably My math good? That's, that's about right. Yep. Okay. Is that right? Yes. But if it's two people, it's five hours each. Still 10 minutes. Still hours. 10 minutes. So that's a way to show that the guys are successful. Cause I remember early on and as your coach, um, it was, uh, you know, you were overwhelmed by the amount of numbers that there are in a business, mm-hmm. but it was like, Jimmy, revenue yep. and revenue per hour. Yep. All the other numbers work. Yep. So if you, and again, you have to have a goal to know if they work. It's one thing to know a number, but when, like you said, you got a goal, if your goal is a hundred grand for the month and your revenue per hour is a hundred, whatever. Now that's all you need to know on a daily basis. Are we hitting our numbers, numbers at that right. speed? Yeah. We can do a whole thing on that but no that's great so i I think that's really really important to know your numbers um so that you can be successful so awesome thank you again i appreciate it i hope everyone got something out of today uh for your business or your decisions that you want to make in life yeah good luck yeah thanks for coming on i appreciate it thank you guys thank you jimmy all right 
Thanks for joining us and we hope you implement at least one or two nuggets from this episode that will give you the confidence to grow. Subscribe to our podcast to stay updated and grow with the bros.